Hasta la vista, baby. Yeah, so if it wasn't already clear enough, this is our episode on Arnold Schwarzenegger. This is Alex from Los Angeles. And this is Karen from San Francisco. Welcome to Movies That Shaped Us. We're two longtime friends who grew up on opposite ends of the globe with very different backgrounds, but were both shaped and are still being shaped by the movies we see and love. In each episode, we'll cover a topic around important people, places, events, moments in our lives, filmmakers, actors, and then explore it through three of our favorite films. So in this bonus episode, like Alex mentioned, we are talking about the man, the myth, the legend himself. That's right. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, so this is uh, this is Arnold. This is an episode I'm definitely really excited about. I think I was talking about this a little bit in the previous episode we had where we were talking about T2 in depth, that for me, I think Arnold was the first movie star I was obsessed with. Like he was my guy growing up. For me, it actually started with Terminator 2. Mm-hmm. As we were mentioning in the Terminator 2 episode we just did, which was our group movie. So episode mm-hmm. 44, folks haven't listened to that. It really was a movie. Yes, it was rated R. And yes, it was in, like a action movie but it was a kids movie at the end of the day like both you and i Karan, watched it yeah <laughs> sleepovers group you know when we were like under 10 around 10 years old and i was just immediately like obsessed with how cool this guy was and then from there i kind of went back as i got a little older and saw mainly his 80s films was what kind of got me really into him he was the height of the of his powers in the 80s and at least in the united states as a, as a boy kind of growing up in your teen years you had to have one action star that you were mm-hmm. that you was your guy and you were either basically like a Sylvester Stallone person or an Arnold person and you had to kind of pick one i never it, i was i didn't see the rocky movies actually until i was l- much later in life in college so i never really liked stallone and i loved arnold so then I, of course i had to hate on stallone so <laughs> i was always like making fun of stallone making fun of the people that like stallone like i was an arnold guy so i had to like always uh, support him and anything that uh, anything that he was doing among you know in the schoolyard or what have you but honestly too what kind of really separates Arnold for me even now is it wasn't only his on-screen persona I was obsessed with and and sort of um in awe of but just him as a man and what he was able to accomplish in his life you know coming from this small town in Austria going up in the world of bodybuilding conquering that and then deciding he wants to go off to Hollywood with some weird accent not an actor at all no real acting training. And he put his mind to it and he did it. And mm-hmm. I'm just more inspired, honestly, by his life story than I am a lot. Of, I mean, I'm obsessed with his films, too. But as a person, you know, separating from the Tom Cruise episode that we had, I wasn't really following Tom that closely in his personal life or admire him so much for as a man, just more of what he does as, as an artist, as an actor. With Arnold, it's it's really honestly both. It's a mix of me just respecting him as a person and and loving his movies. Yeah, so I think you mentioned in the previous episode on group watching T2 is your first Arnold as well too, right? Oh yeah, definitely. And like I was saying in that episode, like that movie was sort of my intro to Hollywood movie magic and movie making and then, you know, Aliens and such kind of all followed. Mm -hmm. So in many ways, like I associated Arnold Schwarzenegger with Hollywood too. Like I just felt like Mm. this is how Hollywood star was supposed to look like and feel like and, and what have you. And I think, it, like you said, I think it's the age is a pretty critical thing. Like we were in that ripe kind of early teen or even preteen in our case, right? Age frame where this is this kind of persona is very very impactful. And then to your point, I think his life story is something that I've also thought about. That it's kind of amazing what this man was able to accomplish, and 
And even when we get into it, when his sort of personal dip really happens, mm-hmm. I think even his recovery post that, not so much as a movie person, but more as a figure in society has yeah. actually been pretty good. Like I see quotes and inspirational things and such, you know, being shared that he said in the last like 10 years or so often, mm-hmm. like he's sort of regained and he's been able to apply his life experiences. There seems to be some sense of like thoughtfulness and Mm -hmm. learning that he's had as well, even through the public mistakes and humiliations that, you know, he went through and what have you. So there's that part. And then timing for him also is very critical. I was thinking about this before we started recording that imagine if he had shown up to the US to become a Hollywood actor in a different decade. Oh, I don't think this works. Totally agree. so critical, right? That he came in the 80s. This was the decade of big action, acting and performance was not really kind of the key thing that people were going for. Like any other decade, like even the 70s, which is so acting performance heavy, these sort of long drawn movies that are meditations on various societal crises that are happening. Mm -hmm. That's not happening in the 80s. Right. Um, So it's amazing that that timing worked out. And then I think his collaboration that we'll get into as well as we explore his filmography are also critical. Like he, if he doesn't meet Jim Cameron and a few other key people, I don't think this goes the way it did. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm sure that's credit to those filmmakers, but also big credit to him that he, right. you know, sold himself to them and said that, yeah, I'm going to do what you want me to do. I'm going to learn and and rise up the ranks, if you will. So yeah, pretty incredible career. Yeah, I think it was a lot of of those things, like you mentioned, really the timing thing, too. And I I don't know how much you can credit Arnold with kind of creating the 80s action star or sort of getting there at the right time when that's that's what we needed as a film going uh, public. We wanted a an action star that was very muscular, topless man, greased up not like elegant or that's not a martial arts, like a Bruce Lee type action at all. It's a, he could walk through a wall shooting giant guns and bazookas. And, and that was, that was Arnold and in the eighties specifically. And as definitely as a kid growing up, you know, in the late eighties, early nineties, that was the kind of action star that I wanted. And he totally fit that bill. And it was cool to see that. And he was always going to be fine. And that's what you wanted to see. This guy just sort of come through and always be the victor and crush all of his, his enemies you know, like he has that famous quote in, you know, Conan the Barbarian, to crush your enemies, see them driven before you and hear the lamentations of the women like that. That sort of thing is what you want. You know, you want to maybe it was the time, maybe it was just the age, but Arnold completely fit that bill. But I think your point on the, the collaborators is really key. And I think that just goes to his personal drive and mm-hmm. dedication to he wanted to be the biggest star. And mm-hmm. I think in hearing from interviews with all these filmmakers like Jim Cameron, et cetera, or even like Ivan Reitman, which he got into some comedies with him in the 90s, you know, Arnold just was great at selling himself. And they yeah. could see the dedication. He's look, I will learn. I will do whatever. I will work on my, you know, my accent and learn English and try to do these things and try to be an actor because he wanted it so badly. And again, that is something I've always just admired in him is that drive to conquer bodybuilding, then film and eventually politics, which um, unless, you know, yeah. I, I didn't, I would live but in the still, state of he California. Got it, got you know, he got it. No, he right? got it. Like how many people can say that? Um, right. No, drive, determination, hard work for sure. And the other thing, which is so, it's almost contradictory. Like on one hand, this is this uncrushable, undefeated person that you want to root for. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, he also brings a sense of relatability. 
Mm-hmm. And maybe it's because he, maybe because it's his accent, maybe because he's from a different place, and maybe it's because the roles that he chose that were maybe not often so bright or what have you. I I can't put my finger on it, but there's something very relatable about him, despite being so extraordinary in his physical form, that I think helped him to kind of build that sense of you know relationship with the average moviegoer because you want to be that person too in a way who came from nothing or came from nowhere and is making a mark and wants to make a mark and has that drive he's sort of rougher on the edges in that sense you know and and who people root for that i always rooted for that and especially when he pivots to his comedy career yes even more so it's such a contradiction like somebody who looks like that you would not use words like adorable and loving and, you know, huggable. Yeah. No, he might break <laughs> you if you hug him, hugged him. But I always felt that way. So it's a very inter- just interesting kind of juxtaposition of those two things. It was, it was a brilliant pivot. And it's something that I might, this might not be historically accurate, but I feel like he was one of the first action stars First of all, first kind of only action star. Mm-hmm. And then to make that pivot into comedy is something that after him, all the stars that were trying to, you know, go after the, you know, Arnold throne of like The Rock or Vin Diesel, they right. all did that pivot to, oh, now I'll make kids movies or make family movies or comedies. And, you know, to middling success for those those particular stars. But Arnold was the one to be like, OK, I'm, I'll star in Terminator 2 and then go to Kindergarten Cop where I'm just, right. you know, running around with a bunch of school kids. And that was I don't know if that was an agent or there was something he wanted to do. Obviously, his, you know, his acting chops and his persona was able to stretch in that direction, but it was a brilliant move. And something I think that set a template moving forward, like I said, for all the action stars to follow. If there really are any action stars anymore, which I don't really think there I are think so, in yeah. the same way. But I, but I think that pivot happens because either he saw it or people around him saw it, saw it that there's something relatable and sort of funny about him, mm-hmm. you know? And even in the super action-y movies, he is kind of hilarious, you yes. know? Either you're laughing with him or even at his expense sometimes, but... It's never in a demeaning kind of way. And I think you want that quality in your comedic star, that relatability and that affection and and such. So I think he has that. Either he noticed it himself or somebody else noticed it, uh, Mm -hmm. but brilliant regardless. All right. Should we dive into his filmography a little bit? Yeah, let's go into his filmography. And like we did with the Tom episode, I feel there is our kind of phases of his of his career. And definitely the the beginning was his rise as an action star in the 80s. And and like I was saying with me, you know, discovering him in T2, I think that's when I would kind of go back and as a kid start watching a lot of these movies and kind of be obsessed with them. So this was like Conan the Barbarian, which is his first mm-hmm. main role as a movie that I that I really love. Uh, the more I see it, the, the more I like it. One of the best scores that has ever existed. And he mm-hmm. doesn't talk much in the film. But it's it's his physicality that is so just impressive. I mean, you haven't really seen anything like this before. And yeah, his acting is really not there. But he doesn't really need to act very much. It's a lot of, I mean, the first 20 minutes of the movie actually are basically totally silent. And it's mm-hmm. just the score. And it's it's a beautiful like beginning of, of this film. But I think this is a great sort of introduction for him onto the stage. Like, wow, I've never seen a body like this before doing these sort of things. Even though, again, the acting is not really quite there. Is this a film you've seen? As a child, this movie was on rotation, especially once T2 and all came in, like these Mm -hmm. movies were, you know, playing everywhere in kind of, you know, events and gatherings with friends and what have you. But I've not seen it since I was a kid. Mm. Oh, you should should rewatch it. I mean, the the score is something I put on. 
I mean, weekly, perhaps like it oh, is, wow. I think it's one of the best film scores, action film scores out there. It's just so huh. beautiful. And then obviously we have pretty soon after that Terminator, which is the really the film that that put him on on the map. And I mean, you can't this was the movie that made Arnold Arnold. Totally. We talk a lot about T2. You know, we saw T2 first before we saw T1. But really, in this movie, like you can really see like, wow, you know, this is not something where anyone could just be in this role, do what he was able to do. It was a very unique thing he was bringing to it. Yeah, but I mean, there couldn't have been a better launch vehicle for anybody. And, you know, we talk a lot about what Jim Cameron gave to him, but I think it's Mm -hmm. also important to note what he gave to Jim Cameron's career. Like, Mm -hmm. I think it's sort of the perfect match made in heaven, if you will. Like, he is Jim Cameron's muse in in many ways, I think. They worked together several times and throughout his pivots and such. Yeah, and I think um, even, you know, when Jim Cameron was writing the script and envisioning the character of Terminator, he was not imagining someone the size and the, the mm. way that Arnold was going to play it. I can't remember who actually was supposed to, he was originally going after f- for the, mm. for the role, but it was definitely nothing like Arnold. And it was Arnold who kind of brought that into the, into the picture. So he was kind of a creative collaborator in that sense too, in the mm. beginning. And maybe that's why they had such a great working relationship for two other films that mm-hmm. uh, were both just excellent too. So when we get to those and then, you know, there's, again, I can't, Commando, we've already talked about in my comfort, uh, one of my comfort movies. So that was episode 28. We can go back and talk specifically about that. But this movie was the one for me that was like, oh my God, this guy's the coolest guy ever. It is, it's not a great film. Like it's a very cheesy, cheesy 80s movie, but incredible one-liners, which actually mm-hmm. is something I should mention too. I think every movie he's been in, at least in this period, there's amazing like Arnold quotes and lines. I think he might be the most quotable of all time. I mean, this movie too just has so many. Remember when I told you I'd kill you last, Sully? Yeah, yeah, you did. I lied. And then he drops him off the cliff or don't bother my friend. He's dead tired <laughs> in the plane after he kills the guy. Just incredible lines. And this movie just, like I said in the comfort movie episode, I just move me makes me smile even thinking about it. Again, awesome steel drum soundtrack too. I put on all the time. Mm-hmm. This is the first time you had seen it, right? At the when we did the comfort movie episode. Do you remember uh, that? Maybe I had know? seen it once again at, you know, yeah. some other kid's house, but never really sat down and saw it, saw it. But but that's the power of his movies. Or maybe just the decade we grew up in, no matter where we were living, I was a million miles away from here. But these movies were synonymous. They're always playing in somebody's mm-hmm. home and some dinner party or what have you, which is amazing. On the quotable part, I wonder, because he didn't, he wasn't this actor, actor, right? So no. there's that. These screenplays that were given to him were often lighter on dialogue. So I think yeah. there's probably a combination of all of that, that when he does speak and just the way he speaks, like it lands in a certain way that is mm-hmm. memorable as opposed to somebody else who's just talking through throughout the entire movie. Mm-hmm. This is not the case in his movie, especially not in this phase one. Definitely. Chapter, right. So right, right. that's why all of these lines are just iconic because mm-hmm. when he does speak, you do take notice and it's spoken in a, such a specific way. How can you forget yeah. it? Yeah, no, his accent, I think, does play a lot into that, too. That Austrian accent and his line delivery on these things. Pretty amazing. I think the directors knew that. I think they... They tapped into that, like the the mapping of moments and these lines seems pretty intentional now, at least. I mean, I don't know if it was when they were doing it. Right, right. And also, too, again, the era of the 80s was definitely the era of the one liner action quip, which was not something that was so prevalent in the 60s, 70s action films. And, you know, now I don't think we really have that so much anymore in uh, our modern day. But this was the height of it. I think, again, whether Arnold kind of created that or fueled Mm. the fire or whether he was just there at the right time. 
I think it was definitely like an eighties thing, but again, the most quotable guy, he's so incredible. And then pretty soon after that, another big movie for me as a, as a kid too, was predator get to the chopper. I mean, mm-hmm. again, another classic. And the first time really too, I was like, Oh my gosh, like Arnold's up against something that maybe he doesn't, he can't defeat. And there mm-hmm. are those moments of vulnerability when he's, you know, one of the last guys left and being like, how do I beat this, this alien? What's going on? And then obviously he does win in the end, but there are those moments that first kind of bit of times when you think, oh my gosh, maybe Arnold can't, can't do this, which was something that was not in those previous films that I mentioned. He was, you always knew he was going to, you know, mm-hmm. have the big gun, kill the bad guy. No question about it. He always knew what he was doing. Was this a big film for you too? Same thing, always kind of running here and there. And I was just thinking as you were talking that quite smart on his part or his agents or mm-hmm. the movie makers that, okay, he's been the invincible person so far. Let's see if we can top that. Like there right. seems to be like a bit of this art that is almost like they're playing with the audience expectation, which I think is so smart. Like then mm-hmm. you're, I mean, I didn't grow up here, so I don't know, but I wonder if people were invested in that way that oh when this movie comes out people are like oh is he gonna beat him or no you know right right uh, and that's such a great kind of marketing thing in it in its own way mm-hmm. but not to mention just him stretching himself too oh yeah totally and then this actually is where we get i mean running man is great too i'll just call that out it's a movie mm-hmm. that i love even though it's really cheesy but this is now his big pivot into the comedies when we start getting into the early 90s so twins was the first one. This was actually so it's interesting when the comedies for me, they they don't work as well. They more often than not don't work as well for me. We already talked about one of the comedies jingle all the way in an episode that we'll kind of get to later in this chron- chronology. But um, yeah, twins was fine. I just I don't know. For some reason, the action stuff was a kid, at least landed mm-hmm. better with with me. What, what about you? Twins, kindergarten cop. This is around that time when he was starting to again delve more into comedy. How were they? How did they land for you? Actually, the earlier ones, like those two that you mentioned, I don't think I saw them because I don't, I don't remember if they made it or, or I have no mm. memory of them. But what comes up next with you know Junior and mm. Jingle All the Way and and those movies? I think by then maybe he'd kind of figure it out a little bit more. Again, I mean those movies are quite cheesy. I mean you can't watch them today for sure. Or maybe you can <laughs> yeah. for Junior. nostalgia. Yeah. junior is so it's so bad and there's one of the more horrifying moments in film where there's a dream sequence where because the plot of that film is he's a he's a man who gets pregnant he has a vision of him giving birth and there's a newborn baby where they like paste their arnold's face on it it's the most horrific thing oh gosh every time i think about i'm like oh my god did they think this was supposed to be funny like holy crap is it i think i blocked that out all (laughs) i remember him is just looking pregnant and and emma thompson is in that movie that is that is correct yeah yeah she's Um, she's the female lead i don't know for for me those movies are just synonymous for childhood especially Mm -hmm. i think jingle all the way because oh yeah that subject is quite relatable when you're of that age that you want a certain toy and i think it just came at the right time. Of course, they are cheesier. And I agree with you. I don't think they're at the same level as his action movies, which are Stone Cold classics. I mean, like you said, that they are genre-defining mm-hmm. movies, the action mm-hmm. movies. Right. These are not. Right. But it's fun to watch him in this light. I, it is. Like I was saying earlier, like yeah. there's something very relatable, adorable about that. Even now when I watch those movies, it's a, it's a good time is what I would say. 
Yeah, yeah, it was. It sounds like both of us then were more of the on the action side of things. Yeah. Comedies didn't work as well, but yeah, for me too. If I were to pick the one Arnold comedy that's my favorite, I would also say Jingle All the Way. Even though you know that movie was not successful, it was it was definitely made fun mm. of a lot at the time of being really bad because it was mm. his really first attempt to be like definitely a kids movie. It wasn't even like a uh, mm. like Twins or 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 Junior, which is more like PG thirteen kind of comedies. This is the kids movie, but. I love that as a kid. We talked about it in the episode four, the sibling yeah. relationships movie, because that was a big movie for me and my sisters. I still watch that at Christmas a lot. Like, Put the cookie down is one of my favorite <laughs> Arnold quotes of all time. <laughs> but um, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, yeah, like that was and it, interesting too. Like in the nineties as well, like he, that was when he started his kind of decline a bit. Um, I feel, oh, we, we should probably mention True Lies. We talked about T2, yeah. but True Lies are the other like seminal Cameron picture that that they did together just incredible and that is where his comedy chops and his action chops are at full force because it's mm-hmm. basically an action comedy I mean it is mm-hmm. an action comedy it is, he does yeah. those both of those things so well yeah I I wish he had made like a few more of those although they're not many people other than James Cameron who can kind of nail that but I think yeah. that to me is pitch perfect combination of those two genres and also using the full skill set of Arnold Schwarzenegger I think across the board like it, it's it just couldn't be better and maybe that's why the downfall comes in a way because mm. it's hard to top that where do you go from a movie like that which just right. nails it across the board yeah i mean he definitely did seem unstoppable and then yeah. you know the late 90s is when it starts kind of coming down i mean i'd seen batman and robin in theaters not not great end of days where he fights the devil also this i was still going to see these movies so i was still mm-hmm. right on the arnold uh, I'd see anything that he would put out, but I was starting to be like, these aren't really that good, but I kind of feel like I should still be supporting him in some way. Um, any other movies from the nineties uh, before we get into like the talent of his career as he's kind of going down the stand out for you? Not really. No, nothing else. Um, so then definitely this period is when in the two thousands is when he actually, a couple things happened first, he kind of fades at the box office a bit, and then he decides to make the pivot to politics. And that right. takes him out, you know, off the chessboard for being movies as he ran for and then was um, elected to uh, as governor of California. And so at this period, really, like, you know, I still I saw the sixth day and wasn't good. Collateral damage, a film that was trying to harken back to more of his 80s action style films kind of got, you know, 9-11 happened right around when it was supposed to come out. So they moved it and it sort of lost a lot of its luster because about terrorism as well, like he goes and fights some folks that blew up. I think it was like an office building that his wife and kid died in, if I remember the plot correctly. Not mm. not that good. He was trying to go back to an over-the-top 80s movie, but it didn't work at that time. And then he basically, uh, you know, was, again, a governor for a while. And, you know, I was in California when this happened. I was actually I wasn't in California when he got a, got first elected. I was in London studying abroad. And it was I was embarrassed, to be honest. Like, I loved Arnold. But I didn't want him in politics. I was not at all aligned with his political persuasions. I respected it because it was coming from a place of honesty from him, but just was not at all aligned with my political uh, ideals and and morals and things. So, yeah, I, I, I admire that he did it, but I, I didn't think he did a good job as a citizen of California. And I'm glad that he, you know, kind of stepped out of politics once he left as as governor. But well, yeah, what was your reaction to that about him running? I mean, you were still in India at the time. Was it yeah. weird and? <laughs> what did you All think? I, I mean, I've obviously no sense of like political identity, persuasions and such of, of this country at that time. But it was just comical to me that, oh, can you do that? Was sort of the question on my mind. Yeah. It was like, oh, yeah. I guess you can. Anybody can. Which in some ways is also, I mean, kind of 
I guess the fun of it, I suppose, that anybody can. Yeah. Something empowering in that. <laughs> yeah, no, but true. There the is. There time, is. Yeah, there yeah. is. Yeah. There I mean, is. It's yeah. truly a democracy in that sense. But but yeah, I, I, it was kind of weird and just comical, I think. Yeah. But yeah. I can't really say much because I never really leaned in on what his politics was, still don't really know enough detail about what he did, right or wrong. Mm. So I can't really speak to it. But but hey, I will be like we said up top, he wanted it and he got it. Right. And that's pretty amazing. Exactly. Yeah. That that is a thing that I res- I respect about it because he yeah. wanted to conquer this. He was thinking about it for a long time, I guess, even in the nineties. Huh. And he went and he did it. And yeah, I don't think he did a good job, but it wasn't because he was beholden to special interests or trying to tow a party line. And basically at this point, he tries to come back into the to the film, you know, mainstream and never really does. Honestly, he's made was in the Expendables movies, which were not good, but I did see them. (laughs) He tried to make a couple more Terminator movies to middling success. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I'm scanning like his his films the last 10 years. I've seen outside of the Terminator movies, very few of these. I just I guess I kind of lost interest in him. It was almost like he was a place in a time in terms of the, the what he was able to deliver. And I, I love that. Again, he's my probably my favorite as a kid, for sure. And I still love him as a man and I respect him. And I, I I'm, I'm honored to to live in the same state as him. But I don't think he really found a way to come back. What yeah, are you I, similar for you? Like how many of these films have you seen that he's no, done recently? None. Yeah, I mean, far less than even what you've seen. And I think it's sort of, it is a time and place thing, but then also there's a shelf life in a way as well to Mm -hmm. people who are, you know, of a very specific type. So this happens a lot in how Hollywood and probably used to, I guess, even now, which is that if you are the hot one, then that's all you're known for. And at some point that just doesn't work anymore. And then you sort of have a shelf life and it's very difficult for you to transition out of that. I think the same thing happened to him in a way as well. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how much he tried to actually get deeper into acting or transition into something else or a different career and maybe politics and everything that happened in his personal life, you know, the wife and Mm -hmm. cheating and all of that divorce, like that probably got in the way as well. But he's one of those people, like despite all of that and the fact that there's really no career in the last, what, 20 years or so, what he did accomplish in his the two decades where he was probably the biggest star in mm-hmm. the world, mm-hmm. it's just so seminal that that just lives on. Right. Like he's probably, if you probably ask any person in some you know remote town in the world, what Hollywood personality you can name or identify, I think he would be in that list even today. For sure. No, he he's a, he's a legend now. And yeah. I, the thing that I love about this part of his career too, or just his life, I think, as you, as you put it, as he is very humble by everything. Yeah. I mean, I live in LA, like I said, at the beginning of the episode, he still goes to the, the gold gym in Venice that he worked out in when he moved, first moved to LA. I know people that work out there and see him all the time. Like he walks, he bikes around Venice to go to the gym and, you know, you can see him if you live in Venice, California, and he's really mm-hmm. nice and says hi to people. And, it just he knows how much how lucky he is because right. of what he was able to accomplish. And he's very humbled by it. And that I really respect, too. Like he's not off on an island somewhere. And, you know, is, you know, he's now with he's still supporting the bodybuilding community. Like he cares a lot about that as a sport. And it's just um, it's just he's a great he's a great guy. I mean, yeah, he has some personal issues, too, with his infidelities and things like that. I mean, no one's totally perfect, but he's very humbled by it, too. And I think there's a a uh, something I admire as well about the honesty that he did kind of come out about those things and still is, you know, his illegitimate son still in his life and trying to be a good father for him. So I, I have to give him a lot of credit for that, too. 
Yeah, I agree. So I guess moving, looking forward, what do you see his future as? Like, would you want him to be in movies again or, or no? Or what do you think? Yeah, this is a really tough one, honestly. Like, I think he can't go back to the glory that he had. I, I almost actually, the more we talked about this, I think it was just a time and a place thing in the 80s. That yeah. was what we needed as a as a society, an action star like that. And we don't need that anymore. And that is really, he can't really stretch beyond that. So, I mean, part of me wishes somehow James Cameron's got, what, five more avatars that he can find <laughs> a way to get Arnold in there, either as a Navi or as a human, just to have them reunite one last time. But I think it's, you know, the the place that he's has in his career now of just being like an elder statesman in a way yeah. of the film community and just being this. I don't want to say like his glory days are gone, but he still appreciates the industry and that I kind of like where he is now, to be honest. Yeah. I don't know if he could really come back or if we want him to in the same way that he when he was so dominant in those types of roles. I couldn't agree more. I think he has achieved that other statement, statesman status in the movies, but also otherwise in life in for many people. And I think mm-hmm. he should just stay, stay there, I think. I don't... Any attempt to come back would either be a poorly done thing of hearkening back to the past, mm-hmm. which just will not work. Because even if it was great, how can it match up? He His work and his, his body of work from the 80s is probably, it's hard to top that. He's going to lose from himself <laughs> in right. competing with that. Yeah, I mean, just look at the last two Terminator films that he was in, where they were tr- Terminator Genesis and Terminator Dark Fate, when they were right. trying to bring him back. And now he's this older version of the Terminator. It just didn't. It didn't work. work. So I think you're right. I don't think he can go back and reclaim that form of glory. You know, maybe there's been rumors of a a sequel to Conan the Barbarian. Because if you recall, at the end of the first Conan movie, you see him as an old man sitting on his Uh, throne. And it's some uh, uh, voiceover about like in Conan ruled, but his rule was very hard. And it was really tough on the old king or something. And maybe he could come back as a not as a cameo, but just sort of a pass on the torch to some other person in the Conan world, just because they kind of set it up in that Conan the Barbarian film. Those are the, that and some Avatar James Cameron hookup would be the only thing I could think of that I'd actually be excited about. At this point, I feel like I admire where he is. I admire what he's done. There's actually a fantastic, I'd recommend folks watch this uh, three-part documentary on Netflix that came out about a month or so ago called Arnold. That's a huh. that's basically his, his entire life. And you know, I, I cried multiple times in it because it was so moving, um, especially mm-hmm. the end. He's great scenes of him kind of looking back over this book of all these photos of him in his life, just alone mm-hmm. in, in this room with this raging fire. And he's kind of tearing up and getting emotional. It was mm-hmm. it was it was really it was really moving. So I highly recommend folks check that out. If you love Arnold and have not have not seen that yet. Yeah, maybe he's just happy where he is. Probably is. Yeah, I'll check that out for sure. Well, that's a little love letter to Arnie, uh, as a lot of people call him. Yes. Uh, and I hope you enjoyed the discussion. And uh, hopefully this brought up memories of you watching his movies. If you were from our age or even younger than us or older to us. But as always, please rate and subscribe to us at all platforms. We are available on all platforms. That really helps us get discovered. And until next time, we'll see you soon. I eat green berets for breakfast. And right now I'm very hungry. Get your ass to Mars. Come with me if you want to live.